Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. After uh, just returned from a trip up to the northern part of the U.S. in Des Moines, Iowa, where we had a minus 19, where we stayed sub-zero most of the time I was there. And uh, that leaves you pretty much inside. I was a little bit surprised at my grandchildren. I wanted to go play, and they wanted to stay inside where it was warm. So we're not sure who the children are. The grand we have right but we're not sure who the children are. Uh, This morning, uh, our message has the title, That's Going to Leave a Mark. And it's true. The gospel, when when you have the condition of the gospel, it leaves a mark. It's going to show. And And this was a concern for Paul, and we're going to be looking at the book of Titus. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Titus, you may not know that it was not written by Titus. It was actually written to Titus. It was written by Paul, and you may not know much about Titus, but Titus was uh, one of the heavy hitters along with Paul. He traveled with Paul. The difference is Titus was Greek. And Titus did not grow up uh, serving in the Jewish God, serving the God that we know. He, he was not in any way connected with that. And it was really through the ministry of Paul that we see Titus came to know Jesus and he came to love the Lord. And Titus was really held out as an example of the reality that Greeks could love God as much as Jews could. As I speak into my coffee cup, All right, so I I want us to um, look at this verse, and this is actually not, uh, well, if we look at at verse 26, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, 26, Acts chapter 13. I want us to understand, we've we've talked a lot about what the gospel does, how it, it changes the reality that we walk a life of the Spirit in the moment every day. We talked about the fact that we are ambassadors. We'll look at this a little bit more. But this idea that it changes everything, it changes the way we look at others, it changes so many things. But the truth is, if that is not true, if it doesn't change those things, if it has not changed those things, if we don't reflect those incredible statements of the gospel, then we have not participated in what the gospel does. We become sayers of the gospel, but not experiencers of the gospel. In Acts chapter 13, verse 26, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, in other words, everyone, it is to us that the message of salvation has been sent. The message was sent to everyone, and it was not only sent to us as a message, but it was sent to us to become our message. So this idea that there's this message of salvation, there is a message about rescue, there is a message that affects all humanity. We need to get that. We need to appreciate that. It is a message that affects everyone. Therefore, it is important to everyone. And when we we see this and we think about, we look at the book of Titus, What has happened is it's written to to Titus and there is a missionary trip and Paul and Titus and others, I'm sure, were there. 
But Paul goes on and he leaves Titus behind. We'll see this in a moment in the first chapter. He leaves him behind to really set up elders, set up leadership for the churches in each of the cities that they had visited. So this gospel has been given to the Cretes. And, and as you can imagine, it's, these are new churches. And so new churches look lots of ways, don't they? Just like old churches, they have some that maybe embrace Jesus right away, others that are in very different places, others that are at church for different reasons. But the gospel remains the same. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, I'm not going to hide the gospel. The gospel is not going to be subjugated to the other parts of my life, but the, but the gospel is going to be relevatory in my life. It's going to be revealed. I'm not ashamed of it, meaning it's not going to be a hidden part of my life. I'm not ashamed of the good news, the gospel about Jesus. It is the power of God at work. You hear that language? That's why it needs to rest in us. It is the power of God at work. I'm not going to be ashamed of the power of God at work. I'm not going to hide the working of God in my own life. This all-important message for everyone, if, if, if it's important to anyone, it must be important to me. This power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. This is a power that is ripping through darkness, ripping through death, ripping through all kinds of things, saving anyone and everyone who believes. And then they step in to the nature of, the character and the power of the gospel, all that it's capable of. That's what we step into when we step in to the reality of what Jesus has done. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight, how we are restored in God's sight. We are restored humanity. We are very different. I mean, think about it. How can we even suggest that humanity stored, restored and made right with God and humanity are even close to the same. People that are restored and right with God are different. They have all these things available to them. This is accomplished from start to finish. All of it is completed. Now, the work of the gospel being inside and restoring us is completed. But you see, the work of the gospel as it appears to others is not completed. We'll see that as we read on. <clears throat> as the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. We see in Titus chapter two, the book we're in, verse 11 and 12, we see that it leaves a mark. It says, for the grace of God has appeared it offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So it says, the gospel will teach you. Do you hear that? It's not a, a, a get-out-of-jail pill. 
It's not something that we take the gospel pill and we don't have temptation anymore. We don't struggle anymore. We make all these incredible decisions. No, it says the power of God now rests in you and that becomes possible in every circumstance. It becomes possible in every circumstance for me to do his will. You see, as I, as I reflect on these passages, as I reflect on the church, I'll have to be honest with you. Here's my, one of my greatest concerns about the church. We take hours, days, years, decades, lifetimes to make things right, to forgive, to set free, to show honor, to get over something, to let something go. You see, the idea of mercy is to let, let the, the, the wicked, the guilty go free. We take way too long. And sometimes it's the nature of life. It is the course of God that almost has to force us back to that place where we revisit inner vows that we've made. People that we've decided we just don't like and that's okay. We've decided to live sub-gospel lives. We've decided to live lives taking license on just how much of the gospel, when and how and where I will choose the gospel as my way of life. And ultimately, in itself, what it really says is, I'm still God in my life. I will choose. I will determine where the power of the gospel will be used and where it will not. I'm not talking about, are you saved? I'm talking about, do you have the power of the gospel doing miraculous things in you that set you free? Let's see if this works. Good. When we make those decisions, then we remain God. And it remains a hostile environment with God. I'm not saying people aren't saved. I'm saying that what they present in their life is a lifestyle that is still adverse to God's plan for their life. And in doing so, their life does not look like the gospel. And Titus, in this passage, the grace of God has appeared in this offer of salvation. The grace of God has appeared. And it teaches us, it teaches you, it teaches me to say no to ungodliness. It will teach you. It will teach you. It will mentor you. It will teach you and mentor you to say no to ungodliness to passions that are not from God.
and to live self-controlled lives. Upright and godly lives. When? Right now. Right where you are. Right where I am, right now, in my circumstances. And the book of Titus is exactly about this message. Can I be taught in the moment by the Spirit that the gospel is working in me right now, in my circumstances, right now, that I have the power and the ability, I'm successful at saying no to ungodliness and passions that aren't from God, that I'm living a self-controlled reality in myself, that I'm upright and godly right now. Right now, whatever my circumstances are. You see, Titus is about that story right there. Titus, now I want you to know, these are new churches. So he's talking to new churches. They probably have people who believe, people who are there with a different agenda. We know that there are some people there of the circumcision. So of the legalism of Judaism, all these things are there. <clears throat> and the Cretes had a reputation, and, and you will see that. And they're speaking into this reputation. You see, there is a stage that the Cretes have, and that stage does something very special for the gospel. <clears throat> Paul tells them, this is the lifestyle that you're going to have to have. This is not up here anywhere. In verse 10 of chapter 1, it says, For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. There you see it, that group that's bringing decision, dissension into these new church plants. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things that ought not to be taught and for the sake of dishonest gain. I want you to hear this. One of the Cretes' own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. That's brutal, isn't it? I mean, this is a prophet of the, of the Cretans, and it says even the Cretans say this about themselves, that they have this reputation. And if you, if you look at secular writings of this period, it is true about the Cretans. They, they had a statement that if you don't always make a gain, no matter who you're dealing with, you bring disgrace to yourself. It was considered a very greedy, very uh, money-driven population. It said, always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Here's what Paul says. This saying is true. Wow, that stings a little bit, doesn't it? That's like, okay, where's, where's the God creation in the Cretans? But you have to see where Paul is going here. This is true. And isn't it true that sometimes bad things about people are true? It's true. 
So he says, rebuke them sharply so that they, uh, so, uh, that they will be sound in their faith and will pay no attention to the Jewish myths or the merely human commands of those who reflect truth. He's setting the stage. He's saying, tell them the truth. To rebuke is really to challenge their truth. These are new churches. Lots of different beliefs in these churches. Churches can have, our church can have all kinds. If we were to go through and have you talk about all your beliefs, I can promise you probably no one in here would agree completely with me. And of course, the reverse of that is, I probably don't agree with anybody in here. That's, that's really not the issue in our church, but I'm saying they're understanding that the things that challenge the truth of the gospel need to be challenged. The things that challenge the power of the gospel to do what it does needs to be set straight. He's laying the groundwork for chapter two. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And, also, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, when uh, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the glory, to the praise of his glory. You see, we heard the gospel, we believed the, the gospel, we received it, and we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, and that became the guarantee towards the end of time. And it became the source of power within us that allows the gospel to teach and to change, to transform each of us so that we say no to ungodliness and to passions that aren't from God, that we say yes to right thinking and self-control. In Philippians, he reinforces the statement we pick up in Titus, Philippians chapter two, starting with verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Don't work hard to proclaim your salvation alone, but work hard that, so that the teaching and the mentoring of the Spirit will be revealed so people can see what salvation looks like on a human being. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love, I mean, if God walked in here right now and, he's, and he walked up here, he said, excuse me, Bill, get out of the way for just a minute. I want to ask a question. And everybody go, wow, what was this question? And he were to say, how many of you here would like to see firsthand a human being that is completely following the spirit? What would you say? Would you want to see that? When he was like, I got to see this. And then he said, how would you like it? Each one of you personally, I'm going to send this individual. It's just a normal human being. I'll send them with you to live with you for a month. 
Now, some of us may really like that because we can kind of see what it looks like and how they act. Some of us might be a little bit threatened by that. They're going to be with me everywhere? Like all the time? Really? And some of us might be really glad when they're gone. Wow, that was a lot of work. I had to, ever, ever had to watch what I was saying all the time, what I was doing all the time. Oh, my gosh. We see that person is with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And God thinks it is very important there are human beings who can reveal what it looks like for human beings to be under the power and the authority of the gospel. What does it look like when the power of the gospel is teaching and changing and transforming and restoring and informing and healing, renewing? What does it look like when a human being is operating in that place where the Spirit, where the gospel is teaching? When we think about the Spirit, we can't really separate it from the gospel because, you see, the message of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, the plan of Jesus is being carried out in us. It, in, in other translations, this here in Philippians says to work out your salvation. And people kind of confuse that often. Now, now salvation is about works. No, no, it's really not. It's show the results of salvation. Show what it looks like. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I'm not telling you that. The scripture is telling you that. God is at work in you. He's at work in me. And he's giving you the desires to do what pleases him. It doesn't mean we receive them. It doesn't mean we acknowledge them. It doesn't mean we accept them, but it means that we can. We can acknowledge. We can accept them. Maybe what the church is missing is the ingredient of the people who are experiencing the gospel. Every day, they're being taught. They're being challenged, being changed, being rebuked being loved, <clears throat> being cared for, being healed. The Spirit is giving hope and giving healing, giving joy, giving peace, ongoing. <clears throat> the key in all circumstances. The second part of this, Philippians chapter 2, follows up on that. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Now we're taking that part where the Spirit is teaching us to be this way, and the fact that the Spirit is working in us, in our desires, and all these things. All right, now it's saying, what does it look like for us to let our salvation show? Well, do everything without complaining and arguing. Who wants that one? Anybody want that one? Oh, we got some people are raising their hand on that. I'll write your names down. <clears throat> so that no one can criticize you. complaining and arguing. It really sets up complaining and arguing to really not be 
a product of the Spirit. Do you believe that? Complaining and arguing. Last night I'm driving home uh, from wherever, Eureka Springs. And, um, you know, Melinda and I are having colds and, you know, it's not all that fun having a cough fest in our car. And, uh, and so we stop and, and the GPS was upside down or backwards. We're going to call it that. And we wind up in the wrong place trying to find this place to eat, which we finally gave up on and went somewhere else. <clears throat> and then it took forever to get the service. And, and I'm, I'm watching the time go by, you know. And then other things happened. And then uh, I'm trying to get out of town. And we're going through this town that has, all right, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. And it had like 10,000 lights we had to go through. You see... That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a sophisticated form of complaining, isn't it? And, um, and so my frustration level is going up. And, and so I'm trying to stop and get gas while I'm still going through these small towns. And every gas station is on the opposite side. Every one. It's, it's in these moments that I feel like statistics are failing me. This is just evil. All right, this is evil. Now, I, I want you to appreciate, this is our everyday life, okay? This is what it looks like. We get frustrated at those things. We get angry at those things. We get totally taken off course with where the gas station is. The gospel surrenders to the geography of the gas stations, it is no longer powerful enough for peace and joy in this moment because all the gas stations are over there. <laughs> so finally I decide, okay, I'm going to go over there. So I'm, I'm pulling over there and I, I made a, a grunt type noise and Melinda said, what was that? I said, you know, all the gas stations are over here. She said, Bill, it's... You just cross the Esplanade, it's, it's right there. She's missing the whole point. <laughs> so I backed up to higher ground, okay? There is higher ground. I backed up to that higher ground. And I, and I, I couched this perfectly. You're going to appreciate this. You asked me why I made that noise. That's all I'm saying. That's why I made the noise. You see... Wasn't that a clever way of not giving up ground? And I, I was really proud of that, actually. <clears throat> and I pull in, and I'm, and I'm returning to joy. I'm reaching for the joy. Lord, I'm, I'm returning to joy right now. And, and I can't see the window. It's all black and everything. And I could see part of it, and you're guessing at where the numbers are. I couldn't get the pump to work. So now I got to drive over to another pump and I'm trying to get it to work and it won't work. And the guy's coming out clean and stuff. And he says, oh, if, if you want to use a credit card, you have to go inside. I don't want to go inside. I didn't want to come to this side of the road. I don't want to go inside because if you go inside, you got to take your credit card in there, go out, pump the gas. Then you got to go back in. I just waved to him and... And here's what he said. 
have a nice evening, sir. Wasn't that nice? It really, it really did me some good because I thought, I need the joy. We're going for the joy right now. And, and I did. I got back to joy. I'm going down the road. And, uh, and I went down to another pump. And I paid about 15 cents more a gallon for that, that pump that worked. Oh, I tried to get a drink at Starbucks. That's kind of, I waited like 10 minutes in line and they couldn't get the little reader to work for the person in front of me that had their phone up there. Finally had to give up on that. So I drank Shell coffee coming home. That's a not yet of the kingdom. Uh, so all, all this, you can, you can, you can see, my, my point is, this is, this is where we lose the battle. This is where we lose the battle. We, we haven't mastered the small stuff. Uh, you know, the big stuff, we can rally the troops, we can get everybody to pray, we can come before God, but in the small stuff, the enemy often gets it all. And then when we come up to the big stuff, we don't have a lot of foundation to work from. So when the world looks at us, they don't see the gospel. They see fear. They see frustration. They see arguing and complaining. That's what they see. They don't see the gospel. For that reason, the church's voice, by and large, has been silenced. And if the church has a voice it's through their feeding program or their Mother's Day Out program or their divorce care program. But what about everyday life? What if I'm not a single mom? What if I don't need divorce care? What if I'm, you know, busy and don't have time to have community with the people over 60? Is there anything in that church for me? Is the gospel there? Can I see it? If somebody were to walk in and they said, hey, is the gospel here? We said, yes, it is indeed. Can I see it? What exactly are you looking for? I'm looking for the gospel. Can I see it? Can you show it to me? Most of us would be a little bit uncomfortable with that question. Maybe the answer should be, you absolutely can. Just stand around here for about 10, 15, 20 minutes. You'll see it all around you. You'll see the gospel. Just watch, listen. It's here. It's all around you. You won't be able to get out of here without seeing it. Wouldn't that be great to give that answer? That's God's answer for his people. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that, one can, uh, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So you see, Paul is telling Titus, I want you to go to Crete, I want you to remain in Crete 
And I want you to establish elders and leaders for all these church communities throughout these cities. And they need to look like the gospel. They need to look exactly like the gospel. That's what they need to look like. Yeah, I've heard, I know, the Cretes are this, the Cretes are that, the Cretes are this, the Cretes are that. That'll make it especially easy for the gospel to be revealed right there. The more you talk about how they are, the more I'm excited about what the gospel is going to look like in contrast to Crete. Find the elders that are willing to practice the gospel. We talked about what the gospel had changed. To walk in the spirit as a way of life. The heart and mind of God is revealed in us. We become his ambassadors. We are endowed with a wisdom that is from above. And it changes the way we look at all humanity. The gospel really can do those things in us. Really can. And people will recognize this. I'm convinced not just in Crete, but in the church, people will see these people as different. Paul's statement in Titus 1.26, the reason I left you, Titus, in Crete, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And how he directed is get people who reveal the gospel. Their lives reflect the gospel. That they're walking in the power of the gospel moment by moment, day by day. That they're not surrendering the Starbucks moment to the, to the flesh. They're not surrendering the gas station moment to the flesh. They're not surrendering the credit card thing doesn't work to the flesh. They're not willing to surrender moment after moment. And instead of us feeling conviction about these things that the gospel is getting away from us, instead we see them as just validating the injustice in our life. That's like six bad things in a row. I deserve a freaking medal. I haven't gone off on someone. I'm still just holding my mouth, angry. But the truth is, the gospel is not silent. The gospel blesses. It engages darkness and imperfection with light and joy and peace and grace. And I thought about afterwards, we're at Starbucks. I'm the only person in line behind these two people and they have an app on their phone and they couldn't get it to read. And like, this is going on forever and ever. <clears throat> and then I thought, after I got back in the car, I, I would have bought their, is this about buying a drink? A free drink? I would have bought them a drink. And then, of course, this is my flesh. I thought, I would buy everybody in there a drink. <laughs> Drinks are on me. Can we get mine started? Two red eyes to go. And then whatever they want, I'll leave my card. I was really thinking that. <clears throat> but see, what a missed opportunity as the scripture reveals, as the spirit comes in and takes a moment where they're struggling with this app and say, excuse me, 
I'm in a hurry. Can I, can I buy your drink for you? Would that be okay? If they, if they get my drink, just get my drink started. I would, I would love to buy your drink. Both of you, your drinks. That would, that would be a blessing to me, if that would be to you. You see, what's different there than my, you know, braggadocious, you know, I'll buy everybody a drink. Just let me get out of this place. You see, one of those is powering up to win. I'm going to force the win. The other is saying, no, I think what God is doing is giving me an opportunity to bless people. This is an opportunity to do something for someone else. And the Spirit's going to slow this moment down. And then maybe you'd hear a very different message this morning. I didn't do any of that. When we get into chapter 2 of Titus, you're going to see how he goes after this. You see... He's going to talk first about the elders, the older men. What does the gospel look like for them? And to encourage, go after this. And then he talks about the older women and the role they play. Then he talks about the younger women and the role they play and how the gospel operates in each of these people groups. And then finally he talks about the young men what the gospel looks like there. And the punchline in Titus 2 is, so that in every way, they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. See, our, we think about maybe our salvation is I get into heaven, but its value to others is infinite. We just have to be willing to believe that the gospel is at work in us for the glory of God. And here, they're saying, set up leaders who reflect the gospel. And then we want older men, older women, younger men, younger women. In other words, everybody to come under the power and the influence of the gospel so that the teaching becomes attractive. The teaching doesn't become attractive because of the words. It becomes attractive because what people see in you and on you. When the, when, the, when the world sees something, and I want you to know, it's not just the world. I mean, people in here, many just committed. They would love to see this person. If God were bringing this person in, someone certified to be spirit-following, we all just a little bit curious about that. I believe most of us don't really believe It's a work for us. We don't really believe that we can be that people of God. 
So I don't think we try. I think we give up very quickly. And, and like me, I didn't give up quickly. I just saw how far out of control I was. And, and we do that. We just get wrapped up in the moment instead of the Spirit being a part of those decisions as we go. And the Spirit did bring that correction. But it took about 30 minutes. All that happened in, it was longer than 30 minutes. Because there was, no, it was probably 30, 40 minutes, something like that. Long. It, it, felt, it felt like a long, dark moment. Our gospel... is not all that attractive in words because really, it's hard to believe. But when people can see the effect of the gospel on average, ordinary, everyday people in average, ordinary, everyday lives, you can see something is different, something is unique. Something is questionable. How do you do that? How do you do that? We'll continue in Titus next week, if you'd stand.